from Brooklyn, New York, I'm Adam Teeter. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the Vine Pair Podcast. Zach, I mean, man, what's going on? What have you been up to? Uh, well, you know, uh, it's been a, been a chaotic-ish week, as always. Uh, my wife and I are house hunting, which you, uh, you know well the fun of that. Uh, it's just... How uh, adult of you. I know. Well, you know, we have a kid, so we figured we probably should buy a house eventually. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, man, it sucks. I hate doing this. I mean, I look forward to eventually having a house, but everything else about the process is zero fun. Uh, or well, not zero fun. It's like 8% fun. I think it would be a little more fun if it wasn't COVID, but it's like everything about going to look at houses is just so much more complicated. Yeah. You're on like an incredibly tight window. It's like you have exactly this time. You must exact, you know, you cannot do this. You have to do that, which is all well and good as it should be. That should be stringent protocols, but it does make it a lot more stressful to just even find time to, to fit in house visits. And, you know, it's not, you know, it's, it means also, yeah, just everything about it is more stressful than I think it would be at other times, but this is when we're deciding to buy a house. So that's what we're stuck with. <laughs> But it does mean that I've been having to drink to uh, deal with the stress. So, so have you, oh, so what you what do you drink? Well, I've actually been weirdly like uh, on a beer kick lately, um, which sometimes happens for mm-hmm. me. Caitlin was actually just commenting; she's like, "You've been drinking beer more than wine." I've lately. seen and that. I, I've seen that on yeah. you. Yeah, uh, and I think for me, it's like something about. I, I think it's been a couple of things. One is like I we do have wine open a lot because because of like classes and stuff I teach, but but I've been a little bit more just like wanting a beer at like five o'clock more than I've necessarily been wanting a b- wine with dinner. We've also been having a lot of weird, like pulled together meals. Cause Caitlin's super busy with work. And so I, it, it's been like, uh, what can we get like quickly? And so the, the beer has just been kind of a good fit. And, and there've been, uh, there's a brewery near me. Uh, there's a lot of breweries near me and, I, and a couple that I've actually been really enjoying. Uh, there's a brewery called Rubens that I uh, just tried uh, actually last night, the, their secret crush, which is like a sort of, they put out for Valentine's Day and it's sort of the latest. They have like this whole series of crush beers, which are all kind of the same base beer with slightly different hopping regimens. Um, so yeah, it's kind of interesting to try that. And then uh, they're, yeah, drinking. Uh, the other one is uh, another brewery by me. Uh, Lucky Envelope had a pineapple sour that they put out as part of their Lunar New Year celebration. Um, and that was super tasty. I really enjoyed that beer. So um, yeah, I don't know. What have you been drinking? So it's interesting you say this. I I feel like I do this too, where I go through phases. Um, so I've been doing a few things. One, uh, I have been drinking more beer. Um, I I had like a a pretty good um, like IPA earlier in the week, but like it was from Trogues, and I love. I think Trogues is great, and they they sent me one of their new releases, and it was it was really tasty. Um, but the other thing I've been doing is, yeah, like I, I think I'll just have like a glass now of whiskey. Mm. Um, and actually, again, I mean, he's going to love that I'm giving him credit, but Aaron Goldfarb turned me on to this uh, where oh, – Lots of love for Aaron on the podcast lately from both of us. <laughs> Aaron Goldfarb. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he uh, – he, I also am just hoping his mom sees this because – you know, I think she reads everything about him. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But uh, but anyways, so, <laughs> so there's he has these Glen Cairn glasses, right? And he drinks, uh-huh. um, you know, just a little dram of, of different things in the evenings. And he's only actually drinks beer out of them too sometimes, just because he likes the glass. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been sort of like doing a little a little dram. I'll pour it to the you know to the curve, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice. And like, I'll either have it before or after dinner because every there's, yeah, you're right. There's not every night that I want to open a bottle of wine through dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm like, I have other shit going on and like, yeah. it's also the stress of cooking and stuff. And, um, it's just, it's, it's not as easy to do. Um, so I have been doing that and it's, it's really lovely. Um, I've, I've really, in, I've really enjoyed it. And so I've sort of revisited and, um, some bourbons that I like, some, uh, some scotches that I like. I mean, obviously always welcome to willing to try others for those of you out there, uh, in podcast land. Um, but yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you really quickly about drinking is, have you thought about moving out of Seattle? Because, you know, Zach, we have had more positive reaction and more emails to the, you know, small town or small city podcast than we ever have before from, Psalms, chefs, et cetera, writing in and talking about how they had left New York, uh, Houston, uh, you know, Denver, et cetera, to, to go to other places and start restaurants, wine shops, et cetera. Um, so I was just curious, like, has that gotten you thinking like, huh, we should maybe, maybe leave Seattle? <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, no, cause we're looking to buy a house in Seattle. So probably not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my wife also works in Seattle. So, uh, and, and my wife makes more money than I do. So, uh, her job, <laughs> her job takes priority, but, uh, I would say that, uh, it has, I would say what it has given me a little bit of, of thought about is, is even within a, a, a city or a broader metro area like Seattle, I do think that what we have seen um, along with this possible trend of people really kind of moving out of these places in the first place is that a lot of what's exciting potentially in food and drink is not in the kind of classic downtown cores. And I mean, you and I will have to do an episode down the road, um, maybe as things get closer to more fully reopening uh, when the pandemic has subsided more about what what the transformation that's going to happen in a lot of these downtown cores, because it really is, I think going to be pretty revolutionary. Um, And it's going to be hard for restaurants that have traditionally relied on a combination of business travel and, and tourism to maybe make a go of it um, fully. I think some of those things will come back sooner than others, but I do think that it does mean that like, there is a lot of interest. I have some interest and I think lots of people do in, in saying, Hey, can I, can I set up a, a, something, a wine shop, a, a restaurant, a wine bar, a, a, you know, a craft beer bar or something that's serving a community that is not completely detached from a larger city, but is maybe far enough away from the existing centers of that kind of thing, where it's going to be enticing to that population base to not, you know, frankly, drive so far to have maybe the same experience. And so you might not be in, you know, for me, it might not be moving to you know, places that are significantly outside of Seattle, like, you know, Bellingham or Olympia or something like that. But it might just be, hey, you know, maybe I'm going to be, you know, 15, 20 miles north of Seattle doing something that's a little more like, okay, for those people who, there's a lot of people who live in those areas who don't have a a lot of other options. So I don't know. It's I've been thinking about it, but it's true that the response has been really positive. Uh, Thank you all for writing in. It's always podcast at vinepair.com. If you have feedback, we always really do appreciate it and um, give it a lot of thought. Yeah, and a few of the people that I think we've emailed we might have on the podcast, which is cool. It's true. Um, yeah. yeah, and uh, you know what? What you just bring up makes me think about um, which we didn't we didn't talk about because it's not really a small town. Um, 
but you know, like the Charleston uh, mm-hmm. scene is booming. But then you and I, when we were together and did the live podcast for the Charleston Wine and the Food Festival uh, last year, went to North Charleston, which actually is what? Well, that was like what, 15 miles north of Charleston, right? And yeah. there was that really cute little downtown that has like stems and skins, which was one of the best wine bars I've been to in the country. Yeah. Um, you know, and he, he's there for them. We were asking, right? What, what is the, who's the clientele? Are people driving out of Charleston to come to Stems? I know this is for the people who, you know, decide to move out here because it's more affordable and they commute into Charleston for work. Um, yeah. And I thought that was, again, like super interesting that, as you're saying, it was this little opportunity to, and there, there's a little sort of amazing mecca of, I think there's one really good Neapolitan pizza re- restaurant, another like n- nice restaurant, his place, a coffee shop that's just sort of for that community. Um, and I love that. And so I think, you know, what you're talking about is, is really interesting um, and definitely worth thinking about as, you know, for, for those entrepreneurial restaurateurs out there and, and wine shop and, you know, spirit shop people. Yeah, for sure. So we've got a really cool uh, podcast. I know, I know you're sick <laughs> of this favorite topic. Uh, so, so we did something crazy here at Vine Pair and uh, we decided um, under the uh, editorial leadership of uh, Joanna Ciarino, who's our, our new executive editor, as well as the rest of the editorial team, uh, you know, our um, senior editor, Kat Walensky and uh, Katie Brown, our associate editor, uh, Emma Cranston, the assistant editor, and then also uh, Tim McCurdy, obviously senior staff writer and, uh, you know, all around good, good, good mate. Uh, we decided to take on this idea of uh, a massive package of content around TikTok. Um, and, and really, you know, we have all been talking about it in editorial meetings about how just uh, sort of impactful TikTok has been uh, and it, that it really seemed to turn this massive corner uh, in the pandemic. Um, and now, you know, you have so many more people joining the platform. So we asked not only our, our you know, in-house team of writers, but also uh, a lot of well-known uh, contributors like Aaron Goldfarb, like Dave Infante, uh, to examine and write articles about what TikTok looks like right now. And the entire package is called Tapping Into TikTok. And you can get it, it, it all published today uh, on the site at vinepair.com slash tapping dash into dash TikTok. Again, that's vinepair.com slash tapping dash into dash TikTok. Um, and these are like 13 articles plus this podcast that are all really looking at the world of, of TikTok through different lenses. There's some profiles of really interesting people on the platform. There's some business stories. Uh, there's some trend pieces. And it's, it's all a really good read that I, I encourage everyone to take a look at because I think it's we're at, a, we're at a sort of an inflection point here with what's going to happen with this platform as more and more people join. Um, so if you have ever been wondering like what's going on or who you should be following or sort of who some of these people are, you definitely have to read the, these stories and they're really, really fun as well. Um, you've got amateurs, you've got professionals, et cetera. So, so Zach, we want to sort of take the fact that this is the week that this entire package publishes, and we happen to have our podcast debut on the day the package publishes, and talk about, uh, you know, not TikTok, you know, as a as a sort of larger theme because we've done that before, right? We did that this summer, but really talk about sort of what what is going viral on TikTok and what is so unique about what is going viral, and how you know what are we seeing that's so crazy about TikTok. And one of the, the the biggest, most recent trends, obviously, is snow cocktails. Mm-hmm. Um, snow cocktails are like all the rage, but there's a lot of stuff on TikTok now that, you know, has has taken off and had its moment and sort of why we think that is. So, I mean, first, I guess I'd love to get your, your reaction. Like, what do you think of the snow cocktail trend? I kind of think it's awesome. 
Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I mean, I made an effort over, we actually had some, a decent amount of snow in Seattle this past weekend. And, uh, I, I was like, I'm going to do this. Uh, it seemed like a fun idea. Uh, I had a good time. I made myself, uh, what I called a snow fashion, which was basically <laughs> just a snow old fashioned. Uh, and, uh, and I think that like it, that the whole snow cocktail trend is like the perfect example of when something like where when TikTok really works, right? Where where the the concept is really simple in a lot of ways. It's incredibly uh, it's an incredibly broad palette. You know, you could basically do anything with it. Um, it's 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 not intimidating for most people. You know, it can be as simple as just pouring. You know, putting snow in a glass and pouring your favorite liquor over it. If you want to be that simple, or you can make a fancy drink. And it was, and it connected with a thing that, you know, when, when most of the country has got a lot of snow or at least some snow, you know, it's just very easy for people to kind of glom onto it. And I think that's fantastic. I think that what was interesting is that, you know, because maybe it was almost such a, so broad a palette. And and I'd be curious if you felt, if you felt this too, it was almost kind of like, it was like, uh, it was hard to, on the other hand, to kind of get a sense for it besides just that, like, it's cocktails plus snow, as opposed to like here's a specific drink or, or or kind of type of drink that's going viral, and and that I think is where it's kind of what's a thing that's interesting about TikTok is sometimes it's like for me with these drinks trends it feels almost like it's not always really about what's even in the glass. It's kind of what, everything that's going on around it. Totally, it's about like it's about the vibe. It's about sort of like who the person is. It's about sort of how. And I mean, I think that's what's so interesting about you know, these trends that we're seeing is especially, so some of them obviously are like more about the drink. So I think the snow cocktail was a really good example for me is that at the end of the day, they all kind of look the same, right? It's snow and you're dumping stuff with snow, right? Yeah. So it's like, are you dumping a Negroni on top of snow? Like I saw the, I mean, you know, now, cause we've written about this too, the Tegroni trend, yeah. Um, yeah. right? So like the Tegroni trend, like those, those guys that created the Tegroni trend were like, you know, dumping Tegroni's in snow and be like, Oh, check out the Tigroni. Um, I also think, you know, it's, but it still looked the same as like kind of Jose Andres when he made his cocktail. I don't know if you saw this one, which was amazing where he took Mezcal that he kept calling tequila and Mezcal like back and forth yeah. and mix it with vermouth that I also kind of like love. I love, I mean, Jose Andres is a national treasure. Yes. And if people don't realize that, <laughs> I would say he's a, he's a global treasure. Yeah, he's the best, right? So, he, and he goes to like add vermouth to his cocktail, and his vermouth is empty because he's been drinking it inside. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. "Oops, finish the bottle." <laughs> I was like, "That's so good." But I think what was awesome about the snow cocktails is because they all do kind of look the same. I mean, at, at the end, it's yes, there's a different color poured over the snow, but they're very similar. Maybe different glassware. It's about the personality. Right. So it's like who is fun to watch, like who can be self-deprecating like Jose Andres, who is funny, uh, you know, those types of things. Whereas then there's other things that take off on TikTok that are really more about like uh, the drink itself. Right. Or like how crazy it is. And that is that's I think that's and that's how it really started. Right. I think and I think we're we're evolving now to the people. But at the beginning of the pandemic, it was like, how crazy can this shit be? Right. Like how how much insane candy cocktail can you make? Like, can you take gummy worms and infuse them with vodka and get wasted? Like that's where it started. And now it's kind of moving. And I love that too, about, about how it's happened. And I think what makes, what's made TikTok so, 
compelling is that it's people copying each other and like updating, right? So that you see, you even saw that with the snow cocktails, like, oh, you can do that. I can do that better. Or you could do that. I not can't do it better, but I can do a riff on it, right? Here's my version of your cocktail. And that's really fun. And I'm, I'm really excited to hopefully start seeing that happen more in wine too and beer. Yeah. It's, it's starting to break out a little bit. But it doesn't make sense. I feel like the, the the spirits people have discovered this platform and they're really owning it. And I'm just waiting for wine to get there and for beer to get there because like bourbon TikTok is nothing besides people sitting around talking about bourbon. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And like sharing bourbon. So why can't that be wine TikTok too? Well, I think – so I think what's really interesting here are two components to it that that are – that have struck me lately. And one of them is, you know, you mentioned this idea of riffing. And to me, it's like this perfect example of how uh, TikTok is like, almost like, uh, it's not recycling trends. It's like doing the past, I don't know, 30, 40 years of cocktail culture, all in like a span of a couple of months. And like, you've gone from the flair bartending period of the of the 980s and early 90s. And now we're in this period where people are kind of doing what was so exciting in craft cocktails in the early to mid 2000s, which is like, they are sharing drinks, they are sharing ideas, and like the the innovation is super fast paced. But and, and it's even, you know, now, in, in 2021, we have TikTok, so someone can upload a video of a cocktail that you've you've never heard of, you can understand how it's made and you can go, Oh, well, maybe if I, maybe I don't have all those ingredients, but I can make a version of that with these set of ingredients instead, or I can riff on that in this way. And it's the same kind of process that took, you know, months because a cocktail had to travel through a sort of informal whisper network in bars around the country. Now it's like, it can happen in a matter of days, which is super cool. It is really funny. I hadn't thought about that, and and you bringing that point up is is like a again. I'm gonna give you a good compliment, Zach. That's a yeah, really thanks. smart point. Like, that's a good point. Like it is interesting, and I wonder too. Like, do you think is that sort of kind of what's happening with wine right now? Because what I see happening on the platform with wine initially is like there are some people who are like reviewing wines. Um, the biggest trend in wine right now, I don't know if you've seen this, is it's people going to their grocery store and saying, "Buy this bottle, don't buy this bottle. Buy this bottle, don't buy this bottle," and it's a bunch of people who've kind of like taken taken that trend and they're they're copying it so i've seen it a lot recently so so i'm gonna walk into their their wine aisle and be like love this bottle uh it was delicious i had it with you know roast chicken hated this bottle it was you know you know it was too big for me or too high alcohol or you know bitter or whatever and a lot of it's is you know amateur wine drinkers which i love i don't mean amateur in that like they're amateurs but they're not you know they're not professionals Mm -hmm. um which is cool and they're talking about what they love and that is kind of the way i think you could could connect it to what we saw what now nine months ago with with you know drink talk uh or bar talk you know where basically the first thing you saw was the way that most of us start drinking when we're you know close to 21 wink wink <laughs> uh where you know it's basically like dump everything into a bucket and see what happens exactly. <laughs> just, just like same kind of idea that i mean the first time i ever bought wine was you know just going into my grocery store and being like okay like you know, I'm, I'm in Georgia, I'm in college, like they sell it in Publix. Like, is this wine good or is that wine good? And then as I, even in Atlanta, started getting more into wine would be like, oh, like, and now I'm of age, I'm going to go to the, the wine store and like, yeah. 
there's a specific wine store. Like maybe I'm going to talk to somebody. Maybe I'm not because I'm still intimidated. I wonder if we'll see that evolution. And if we're also going to see similar in, in beer, uh, where we'll start going through the phases of like what, you know, what you go through as a wine drinker in the same way we're seeing the phases of what you go through as a cocktail drinker. Maybe. And I also think that, you know, one of the things that I've been racking my brain around a little bit is, you know, with, with Instagram, it was kind of clear what made for compelling ish wine content initially, but even then, I feel like wine Instagram is like very, you know, it's like, okay, bottle shots, right? And basically the, equip, the, the the innovation is like, what else is in the picture with the bottle of wine, right? So like, you know, now you have all these, you know, there was this big trend, I'm sure it's still ongoing of like wineries, especially doing this where they'd like pose the bottle with, you know, all these different things, you know, fruits and things like that, that were supposedly you would smell or taste in it, right? And it was like a whole visual representation of the experience of drinking the wine, which is very compelling. It's also kind of a incredible labor to put together. But with TikTok, I feel like I would be curious to see if reviews take hold. I think what, what will be maybe more powerful than that potentially is not necessarily here's 10 seconds on this wine or here's 10 seconds on why you should drink this wine and not that wine. But here's 20 seconds about a wine that I really like, right? Here's here's the story of this wine in a really concise format. Maybe it's kind of cleverly shot or edited. But like people, you know, with TikTok, you want that like pop of information, I feel like. But yep. you also need to be entertained. And I just, I think that one of the challenges that comes with this sort of grocery store format is like, you know, if you're not if you're not in that store or in a similar store, you might not have the same wines on your shelf. I mean, yes, there are wines that are on every pretty much every grocery store shelf. Fine, but if you're trying to do something, especially as a professional, that's a little more insightful than which you know mass-produced red blend you should be drinking, it is hard to find a purchase with TikTok. And I've thought about this a lot for myself personally. Like, it's hard to kind of know what you would say that is you know not incredibly glib but also isn't um like it gonna bore people Mm -hmm. so i think a few things that you mentioned i think are really interesting to sort of uh dig deeper into the first is obviously instagram versus tiktok one of the things that uh came out of some of these one of these packages so one of the profiles everyone should read uh is a profile on the woman behind uh the the you are sort of the the tag spirited la Uh and what she says is really fascinating. So when she started her Instagram, she, she makes beautiful cocktails. I think she's probably one of the people making the, the best cocktails on TikTok. Um, and what she said, though, is that when she got on Instagram, she was very methodical about the formula, right? Like, this is what you do. This is the lighting. This is how it has to look for it to do well in cocktail Instagram. Right for people to and I, and you see wine people were doing the same thing like this is what it ha- this is how you have to talk about it here are the hashtags you have to use she's like and then she, she said she went on TikTok initially so and she has forty two thousand followers or something on on Instagram and so she said when she when she joined TikTok early in the pandemic she's like I'm just gonna like make really fun cocktail videos and I love fashion and I love dressing for the party so I'm just gonna wear really cool outfits that sort of match the drink and I'm gonna make these the same drinks I'm making on Instagram and also she hasn't she showed herself on Instagram but not a lot it was really the drink and but I'm gonna be this great personality that like kind of comes off that she like we were talking about it like it's like she's in the 50s almost like mm. she has this really cool classy air to her and um and she talks about like a bygone era of cocktails and she gives you the history and all that stuff she has 243,000 followers on TikTok right and and she and she said she didn't follow a formula or anything she just was herself 
And I think that's what's been really fun about about TikTok is that a lot of people are able to be themselves and are just able to say like this is what we do and you know you either like it or you don't like the other, one of these other accounts we profile in the package uh, is the account Jones and Man and Jones and Man actually are a duo that are usually on YouTube together reviewing uh, you know bourbons and other spirits but I guess mostly other all kinds of spirits but on tiktok only man wanted to do it and also uh-huh. i'm not being they refuse to give their first names this is like part okay. of their characters they play in. <laughs> so it's like it's not that i don't know their first names they actually don't give them even in the article but so man wanted to you know was like we should be on tiktok and so he is just super entertaining like uh-huh. he, the and, and his whole tagline is like drink in the comments and you tell him like a cocktail you've made and he'll make it um but he'll all and he he'll talk about you know spirits he said so if you say what do you think about you know you know crown crown apple he'll talk about crown apple like why he likes it or he'll talk about blanton's and i think that again he's this fun person that people like to watch but then yeah. on the other side when it comes to wine i think one there hasn't been a personality that's, bu- that's burst out yet I think that that's, that's going to be what it takes. And two, I think for wine to like, if someone's going to be really successful as a, you know, influencer on TikTok in wine, I think they need to really watch what's happening in one specific subset of hashtag drink talk, which is the bourbon TikTok channels. Because I think that is the communities are similar in the fact that a lot of time they talk about wines, obviously that you and I will never be able to find or try. Right. They talk about Pappy. I've like had Pappy once in my life, (laughs) you know, like, and I've, I've had like the 10 year, right. I'll probably never have 23. Like it just, that is, but they all talk about it in the way that wine people talk about DRC or talk about Petrus or other wines, but then they all love to talk about these like fines that they get that are also, you'd be amazed how many bourbons people have that are like regionally specific. Right. And that they go and find and they, they, they prop each other up and then they have certain people in the community who have become these personalities that are just really engaging and fun and help educate. And so one of the people who, again, like I've just been waiting and waiting and waiting for someone in wine to be sort of like him is this guy, Steve Higdon, who is 60 second bourbon reviews. And he refers to himself as like the boomer of bourbon TikTok. Mm-hmm. And and I think <laughs> he's just so like down to earth and funny and people in the bourbon community love him because he feels like their dad. And yeah. and it's mostly people on TikTok obviously are younger, but they have embraced him. And he has, you know, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of followers. He's one of the most popular, if not the most popular person in the sort of bourbon TikTok community. And everyone kind of defers to him. Like, well, I know Steve said he liked this bourbon, but here's my notes. And it's great. And I think there is that opportunity for wine. It's just figuring out who those personalities are that can feel approachable and 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 not be, I hate to say this, but not be snobby, Sami. Yeah. Right? Like <laughs> you can't be Sami because Sami won't work on TikTok. Like in, in Instagram, right? If you were, if you had a kind of a Sam following, you could have other Psalms and people who want to be like Psalms following you and that would be fine. But because the algorithm in TikTok is so like, almost democratic in the way that it just it throws out you know content and sees what pe- what people love you have to be approachable and you you have to be providing content that people feel they can relate to you know or you can create content people hate which also i have seen go viral but you don't want people like all in your comments being like you're the worst person like you're you're such a jerk like no one wants to, to follow what you like to drink because you're a you're a so- snob about it like 
that I think is also interesting. So who knows, man, it's, it's been, it's, it's fun. It's a fun platform for sure. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you make a really good point and I, one I wanted to ask your opinion on too, or, or, or lead me to a question on is with Instagram, it's always felt to me like one of the things that is rewarded on that platform mm-hmm. is a very specific visual aesthetic, right? Yes. We all know it. And it was in the early days, it was the filters. Now I would say it's that, but it's also just, you know, you were talking about, you know, the woman behind Spirited LA, like there's this whole thing where it's like, you know, you want your pictures to look a certain way, whether you're in them or not, whatever, right? And I wonder, you know, my sense of TikTok, and you're deeper in it than I am, is there is less of that, you know, because it's because it's video and not static to some extent. It is a thing where, like, or maybe just because it's newer and there isn't as clear a here is how you get the most, you know, interaction on the platform. I just wonder, like, does that also kind of create space for drinks that are inherently less kind of visually grabby, right? Like we all know that one of the things that's true about what's happened in drinks culture because of Instagram is, and in food culture too, an increased emphasis on sort of visual appeal from the get-go. And it's everything from, you know, it's why craft beer labels have moved the directions they've moved to cocktails to some extent, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? And on TikTok, I feel like, you know, yes, the thing has to look good if you're going to see it, but you're never going to get the same quality. You're not going to, most people are not going to have the same quality lighting. It's a video. So things are moving. It's always going to be a little bit less, or in most cases, less polished. And so I wonder if it does kind of create, you know, you talk about the algorithm and democratizing it, but I wonder if it also does create space for people who are not going to be able to produce professional quality photography at their house and might not be able to produce professional quality videography either, but can be a professional quality uh, personality, I guess. Yeah, I think that it does. I mean, I think it's either like you have you have two different kind of uh, in in the let's let's talk cocktail specifically, right? You have two different kinds of or spirit specifically, maybe styles. You either have the person who has a full setup and it almost looks like they're standing at a set, right? So they um, they're making their drinks in what feels very polished. They probably went out and bought some equipment to hold the phone steady and things like that. Um, Spirited LA is, is like that, right? Like it, her, her setup looks beautiful. She's has a beautiful kitchen. You feel like you're, you could have take, you could take her videos and, you know, with a little bit more work, you'd be like, I could see this on food network or something. Right. Um, then there's like Johnny drinks, which actually is this father and son from Jersey (laughs) who, are I think the most followed account in the drinks in drinks TikTok. I think they have this point I saw they're up to almost eight hundred thousand followers. Wow. Okay, it's a father and son. They knew not a lot about drinks. I mean, you'll read the profile; it's amazing. They knew not a lot about drinks before they started TikTok. They're learning about drinks together. They're just like in the basement of their house in Jersey. I think the son is home from college, right? Because of COVID he started filming with his dad. His dad's like real job is I think something in insurance. I haven't gotten to read the profile yet. I'm really excited to, we're recording this prior to it all, um, you know, all publishing. And they're like, in I think the basement where the dad has his bar 
you know, that used to be just for like hanging out. There's a pool table down there, whatever. And like, it's not a set, you know, <laughs> like the, cam- yeah. the camera is shaky, but they're just like two people trying to learn how to make drinks and like talking about it to people and showing people how to make drinks. And I think it's, it, people love it. Right. And so, and they're just a good personality. And I think people are, love that it's a dad and a son. And there's like this, you know, connection between the two of them. And like the son also asked the dad about life advice. And it's just like, again, these things that are resonating with, people watching who want to be entertained um, and are looking for, for good entertainment in that way in, in the same way that I think, you know, people were looking for that on YouTube years ago. And, and whereas, yeah, Instagram I think has more and more and more felt really plastic to a lot of people. You know, it's all, we're all sick of the fact that like, that's not what your family looks like all the time come on like that's not you you don't look you're not having fun you know 24 7 like you know and and you've had these articles being published about how like instagram specifically was like causing people to have massive amounts of anxiety and to be depressed because they feel like this friend has a perfect life and they don't meanwhile you don't know that the friend also is having you know issues with their job or with their health or any of these things but when they're posting on instagram it looks like everything's perfect and i think people like tiktok because you know, there can be those little mistakes. Like there can be, it just, it feels more real. You can have already, um, you could have already drank all the vermouth as it turns out. Exactly. Right. Like, you know, Andre's like, oh shit, you know, like it's all there. And that's why people like it. And it's interesting. And I think it's, it's really, I can't stress this enough that I, I think it's a platform that if you're in, if you're in the drinks business, you need to be paying attention to. And it's funny because like I feel like there's been a lot of noise over the last week or so about another platform, uh, Clubhouse. And I've like played around on it. Like it's the same people that, that were that are sort of like on a lot of these different platforms initially. It's like there's like a a group of I don't know, I don't want to say Illuminati, but like, you know, it's like it's like the same wine people that are on Twitter. Yeah. You know, having conversations about wine, they're, they're not, it's not bringing anyone new into the conversation on Clubhouse. I don't see anyone new who, when I've, when I've like jumped into these rooms, um, and there's probably, there's probably worth a, this is probably worth a podcast on its own, uh, down the road. You know, I don't see anyone, any new voices on Clubhouse. So the same voices I hear on Twitter. Whereas TikTok is really new people. Or there's people who like, yes, had some success on Instagram, but not like this. And like, again, Spirit in LA, she's the perfect example. Like, yeah, she had some success on Instagram. Like 40,000 followers on Instagram for a cocktail account, nothing to sneeze that. But there are people who have massive cocktail followings. Yes. Um, but she has 200,000 something followers on TikTok. That's just insane. All right. So when are we taking the podcast onto TikTok, Adam? Oh, the second you can figure out how we cut these uh, these episodes into snackable bits, and then and then we and then we also and then we also Isn't that go. What uh, for, damn it! Yeah, then we also go on video. We go on video oh, and no. just take it take it like crazy. I mean, come uh, on, come on, Zach. But yeah, so yeah. I would I definitely would encourage everyone uh, to read as many of the articles as you can uh, on the site. Again, the URL if you want to you want to scroll through the, all of them. Also, dude, got a shout out to Josh uh, and Danielle who you know built the site for for the, this package it looks like you're actually scrolling on a phone on tiktok oh, you're scrolling through stories cool. it's super cool uh it's just vinepair.com slash tapping dash into dash tiktok um and then hit us back and let us know what you thought of this podcast what you think of tiktok and what you think of the package uh at podcast at vinepair.com because again um, we're excited about the platform. We think it's interesting. It's something that everyone should be paying attention to. 
Uh, and we'd love to know if you have paid attention to it or if you just checked out, you know, not even paying attention to it, but like sort of passing by. Um, and let us know what you think, because uh, I think it's it's going to only get bigger is my uh, is my prediction. Can't argue with that. Zach, see you back here next week. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair's tasting director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.